Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Quest for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Ed Slover, and as you know, I'm fiercely passionate about helping people pull their ideal future into the present, whatever that means for them. Before we begin, I'd like to congratulate Matthew Edwards for winning the $100 gift card drawing from episode 13 of the Quest for Life podcast. So everybody, be sure to listen to the very end. Who knows what surprises might be in store? Now, on to episode 14. In today's episode, I'll be discussing strategies and tactics, different ways for you to approach your next interview. So you absolutely nail your next interview. So let's get started. We all know interviews can be stressful, but there are ways to make them less stressful. And that's what this podcast is about today. So let's set the stage. You've applied to several jobs that you're absolutely qualified for. You get a call from one of the companies inviting you in for an interview. After you schedule the interview, you hang up the phone and you're happy, you're excited, and you should be. I mean, you were just paid an incredible compliment. You're in the game. You're in the mix. After all, businesses and hiring managers wouldn't waste their time and resources interviewing you if you weren't considered a viable candidate. So knowing that, what would you do to prepare yourself for the interview? Now, hopefully, before you applied to the job, you conducted research on the company. But even if you didn't do that, one of the first things that you would want to do is do more research on the company. I mean, this is self-evident. So you would go out on the interwebs and uh, and, and poke around and try to gather uh, some information on it. You would likely visit the company website and do a little digging there. Uh, you would probably go on their social media pages to learn about what people are talking about. You should go on LinkedIn and maybe even try to connect with uh, some individuals that work there and, and try to get some information before the interview just to be able to assess the culture and climate uh, of that company. And you would probably want to visit you know, sites like Glassdoor or others where you get a sense of what the salary range is for that particular position. Because one of the things that you'll absolutely want to do if you're offered the job is negotiate starting salary, because there are implications that are far reaching in terms of lifetime earnings. Another way of saying that is your starting salary leads to a higher jump off point whenever you get promoted or get recruited by another company. And every subsequent jump off point is higher by having negotiated starting salary in uh, in that particular job that you're interviewing for. So after you've done the research, you would likely go shopping or check your closet just to make sure you have an appropriate outfit. So for men, a suit and tie for women, maybe a nice, a nice dress or a business suit. You would probably want to get a haircut. Uh, and make sure that you are you are presentable, all in the context of impression management. And impression management, in short, is the conscious or subconscious process by which people attempt to influence the perception of other people. So said differently, it's a way to influence how other people think about us. So in effect, we attempt to control how we're perceived by others. And for interviewing or networking events or when making any potential important first impression, this is especially relevant and important to put our best foot forward. All right, so now we're looking good. We've done our research. We 
pull out a copy of our resume and start looking at some of the key points that we would definitely want to touch on during the interview and then try to anticipate what types of questions would potentially be asked about these points. And in interview settings, there are three primary uh, formats to interview. So let's talk about each. The first are unstructured interviews. And quite frankly, these are these are uh, the most fun. Uh, they're the tend to be the most relaxed. Um, I mean, this format's flexible. It relies on spontaneity. Uh, it, 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 the approach to the types of questions asked are are highly descriptive. They're designed for qualitative observation. Um, but keep in mind that the interviewer is paying really, really close attention to not only what the candidate is saying, uh, but how they're saying it in addition to observing body language. So let's take a look at communication. So communication, you have 100%. You carve out what is said. What The words that are said only represent 7% of the total uh, percentage of communication. And then you have the nonverbal piece. Within nonverbal, 55% is body language, 38% is tone, tenor, intonation. That is how we say things. And so 93% of all communication is nonverbal. It's extraordinarily important to make sure that we are paying attention to what we're putting off to other people with how we say things and our body language. And so in unstructured interviews, you'll get questions that tend to be open-ended. They rely on social interaction between you and uh, the interviewer. And what this basically means is the two of you are having a conversation. Uh, in, in most interview situations, the, the level of formalness tends to decrease the longer the interview goes. So that's unstructured interviews. The next is behavioral-based interviews. So this format uh, assesses candidates' ability to meet the job requirements based on previous experience. So instead of hypothetical questions, you'll provide real examples from your experience that give a genuine assessment of you, right? It, it eliminates the possibility of canned responses. So for example, you might be asked, what do you do to verify that your work is accurate? Or describe a time when you had to navigate conflict between two coworkers, what was the outcome? So the interviewer is looking for key things in with those types of questions, such as your ability to work well under pressure. Uh, do you have attention to detail? Uh, what's your conflict management style? Are you creative? What is your process to make decisions? Uh, are, are you a leader? So answer honestly, avoid being verbose, don't rattle on, answer the question and then prepare for the next question. The third interview format is situational interviewing. So you'll be asked questions about how you would think you would handle specific situations. So these are hypotheticals. So whereas behaviorally based interview questions are drawing from your previous experience, situationally based interview questions are really uh, largely asking you to assess how you would handle something if you were presented with it. So the interviewer is really assessing your problem solving ability with these types of questions. So for example, if your manager's wrong about something, how would you deal with it? Or imagine feeling overwhelmed at work. How would you handle that? 
So preparation is key here because you have to be ready to give answers to hypothetical questions that you don't necessarily have the experience to draw upon, right? So take your time when you get the question. If you're not entirely sure how to answer it, uh, ask the interviewer to repeat the question again. It allows you a little bit of time in the moment to sort of settle in and answer the question uh, as honestly as possible. Okay, so now it's the day of the interview. Plan to arrive to the parking lot 15 to 30 minutes early. Uh, uh, take stock of all potential issues that could get in your way of being late for the interview. So if you're 15 to 30 minutes early, keep practicing the types of answers that you'd want to give to a, a variety of questions or have your phone around, you know, scroll through your social media um, or play games to try to relax. Um, but don't take any chances, right? If you're going to be late, call. There's what what interviewers are really looking for. If you're gonna if you're gonna be late, is not to show up late and then provide excuses as to why you're late. What they're looking for is proactive communication. I had uh, an interview scheduled with a candidate once that showed up 10 minutes uh, after the interview was set to start. And you might think this the next thing I'm saying out loud was a jerk move, but I, I, inter I uh, introduced myself to the candidate and I started walking toward the door. And we made small talk uh, on that on the way. And then I let, I let him kindly know that I, I value timeliness and punctuality and that we weren't going to conduct the interview uh, today. So uh, make sure you're, you're uh, early. On time for an interview is 15 to 30 minutes early. And be prepared to make small talk. You know, when after you're introduced to the interviewer, be sure to uh, engage in small talk because this can have big consequences. It not only helps reduce uh, tension and stress and anxiety, but it helps build rapport and chemistry. I mean, even if it's superficial things like you're talking about the weather or you, you recognize that this person might be a sports fan or, or, or whatever. The, the point is be interesting, contribute to the conversation, even if you hate small talk. Oh, and smile, smile and smile often. We, do, we don't do this enough in general, but in that setting, make sure that you are putting out a positive vibe. Um, things to avoid, though, in small talk, the three big ones, sex, politics, and religion. You've got to be a bartender. You cannot go there uh, in, that, uh, in that setting. Okay, so now we've made small talk. And then we start the interview, whether it's unstructured, behavioral, or situational. Um, Whenever, you're, whenever you get a question, answer the question that's asked thoroughly. Don't try to evade or try to transition away. Right? So for example, if you are dealing with an interviewer that is somewhat lazy or inexperienced with interview questions, you'll get the typical, you know, tell me about your weaknesses or opportunities for improvement. Right? So if you get a question like that, don't try to spin uh, the answer to feature your strengths. It comes off as canned, corny, and disingenuous. Right? Answer the question that's asked. I mean, think think about how lawyers train their uh, train their witnesses. Right? They teach them to answer the question that's asked and not to give additional information that uh, may reveal something unfavorable. So, for example, if you went out and asked ten people, uh, "Do you know what time it is?" All 10 of them would give you the time. 
And I'm not trying to be uh, a, a jerk about this one either, but they, they didn't answer the question. They gave you the time as a courtesy, and we understand that, but that's not the question you asked. You asked, do you know what time it is? And the answer to that question is yes or no. And once you get the yes or no, then you can ask, what time is it? So answer the question honestly. Don't try to spin it or, or evade it to make yourself look better. Now, what you're ultimately trying to gather as the interview progresses is a, a, a realistic preview of what uh, the job will look like. Now, in most interview settings, both, both the interviewer and the candidate are trying to put their best foot forward, and that makes sense. This is more of a traditional job preview. And if you kind of frame in your mind what interviews actually are, I mean, they're a form of courtship, um, it, it, like in dating. I mean, dating is really nothing more than an extended interview uh, in preparation for possible engagement and, and marriage, right? There's in the early going of any relationship or any interview. I mean, there's no amount of ugly on one or the other person. It's largely superficial. Um, and it's generally not really a good indicator of why, what life will be like with that partner or that employee. I mean, the, the, especially in the early going. So whenever you think about getting a realistic job preview, uh, you, when you are asked by the interviewer, do you have any questions for me? It's like, yes. What, what, a, what does a day in the life look like in this, in this role? Um, before our next interview, and just assume that you're going to have another interview, uh, would it before the next interview, would it be possible to speak with someone who's currently performing this job? Now, if, and this is highly unlikely, but if the interviewer says, well, no, that's not a common practice of our company to do that, that is a massive red flag for you. Get up, sprint out of the room. If they won't let you speak with someone who's currently performing the job, that is a problem. So we have, what's a day in the life look like? Can I chat with, um, with someone who's currently performing the job? Other questions you might ask is, how is my performance gonna be managed? Uh, what type of developmental feedback can I expect? It, uh, you as my manager, how frequently will we, um, will we be in contact with one another, right? So this gives us a clearer picture of what the job will actually entail. And, in preparation for the interview, above and beyond those questions, you want to come to the interview with at least three questions prepared in advance. I mean, the last thing you want is for the interviewer to ask you, do you have any questions for me? And you, you know, take a moment, you're like, no, I'm good. I mean, that, that shows a lack of preparation. It shows a lack of interest. It shows some indifference. At least that's how the interviewer in, internalizes it, right? So, you want to be prepared coming into the interview with three questions um, that show a level of interest and commitment to the job. And so based in also based on what you've heard during the interview, you can formulate questions in addition to the ones that you've prepared. It, it, there's nothing wrong with taking notes during an interview. So you've already prepped three questions. You already know you're going to ask about uh, getting a realistic job preview, but during the interview, based on what they're telling you, feel free to take notes and, and, you know, put a star by, uh, those things that pique your interest and then ask about those. And then one final question, 
And you have to ask this question. And I'll explain uh, why in a moment. And it goes like this. Based on our conversation today, and don't even call it an interview, call it a conversation. So let me start over. Based on our conversation today, is there anything that stands out that makes you think I wouldn't be a good fit for this position? So let me repeat that. Based on our conversation today, is there anything that stands out that makes you think I wouldn't be a good fit for this position? Now you have to know the interviewer won't be ready for this question or they likely won't be ready for this question. And what you're looking for is what's called nonverbal congruence or incongruence. And let me uh, describe what you're looking for. If you are, if you're describing someone and you're communicating something positive about them, you would likely be nodding your head up and down. That is a universal sign for something positive or favorable. That is nonverbal congruence. Conversely, if you're saying something negative, you would be shaking your head from side to side. That is nonverbal congruence. Both of those are in line, which is to say both what is being said and what your nonverbal communication is putting off are in line with one another. Now, when you ask the question, is there anything that makes you think I wouldn't be a good fit for this position? If they say, I think you'd be a terrific fit, but they're shaking their head from side to side, that is incongruent. And it informs you in the moment that uh, they don't fully believe what they're telling you. It doesn't mean that they're, they're lying necessarily. It just doesn't mean that they believe what they're telling you. If they say, oh, no, I think you'd be a terrific fit and they're nodding their head up and down, that's a really, really good sign. Or if they say, I can't think of anything and they're shaking their head from side to side, that's a really good sign. But if they're saying something positive, affirmative, favorable, and they're, they're shaking their head from side to side, that is a nonverbal tell for you that they don't fully believe what they're telling you. So be on the lookout uh, for that. So as we get ready to put a bow on another episode of the Quest for Life podcast, I'd like to leave you with one final point to nail your next interview. Tell your story. There's one and only one thing that I know definitively about each of you, and that is you know more about you than anyone else in the world. Tell your story. Will you get the job? I got no idea. You might not. I mean, someone else might have more experience or they might be more skilled or they may be a better personality fit, maybe a, a better cultural fit. Right? So, and if you don't get the job, it'll sting. It should, but it shouldn't wreck your self-esteem. I mean, when you tell your story, what you know is you can walk out of the interview knowing that you didn't lose. I mean, you may not have won, but you didn't lose. So think about, think about this. If you were ever playing a sport and you knew definitively that you were better than your opponent and at the end of the at the end of the game you didn't win that feels way different way different than going into that game knowing that you don't really have a shot at winning and whenever you when, when whenever that person beats you it does it, it doesn't it just, just doesn't feel the same that when you you had the advantage going in 
and that you know applies to anything other you know it could be something like chess or something i mean it just feels different when you know you've lost versus someone beating you it, it's a different psychology so i remember whenever i interviewed for a district manager position and uh, I, I spoke with family members after the fact, and they were asking me, well, how many candidates are interviewed? What are their experience? So, you know, and I'm like, I just don't care about any of that. I didn't lose. Um, my current position as an assistant professor, uh, I, I, I went through the interview process and I was chatting with uh, friends and other colleagues. And they're asking me how it go, how it went. And I, you know, trying to compare me to other candidates. I'm like, I don't care about any of that. I told my story. I didn't lose. And in both the district manager position and my current position, I got the job. Well, more recently, uh, I interviewed for a, a part-time uh, coaching position. And I, I, I did everything that I described um, in, in this podcast uh, during that interview, even asking, is there anything that makes you think I wouldn't be a good fit? I thought everything went really, really well. Uh, when my wife asked me how it went, I told her I didn't lose. And guess what? I didn't get the job. Does it sting? Yes, it should. But it shouldn't wreck your self-esteem. It makes you better for the next interview. It makes... It, it, it should make you sharp to expand your skill set and capability, to gain more experience, to be ready enough for the next position. So after your interview, send a thank you email. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. Don't write a book and don't sound desperate. Right? I received a thank you email once from, uh, from a candidate that was like eight paragraphs. Right whenever I saw it, I read the first couple of sentences and I hit delete. I, I was too busy to read War and Peace in that moment, right? So um, the thank you should be clear, concise, short and sweet, right? Um, don't stroke their ego. Let it be what it is. It's a thank you note. One final point. Every next conversation with every next person is an interview. Let me repeat that. Every next conversation with every next person is an interview. Whether you whether you get the job or not, or whether uh, you're able to connect with them, you know, and and uh, you know, through networking or whatever, or every next conversation uh, is an interview. And be grateful for the opportunity to meet someone new beyond what you want from them. I mean, you want them to hire you, but be grateful for the opportunity to meet someone new beyond what you want for them. And be yourself, because that's good enough, and it'll always be good enough. All of this, as usual, is food for thought, fellow questers. Be sure to rate the show and leave a review. You can contact the show at thequestforlife.com. That is the quest the number four, life.com. I'd love to hear your ideas about future episodes. Please tell your friends who'd love to keep getting the word out. And thank you for joining the conversation. <laughs>